0: Welcome dear listener, and thank you for joining me for this special Halloween edition of Dead Hand Radio. I'm your host, Andrew Hall. What we're about to embark on throughout these coming days leading up to Halloween is a series of interviews with people from all walks of life who've experienced some of the most harrowing, spine-chilling tales you've ever heard. We're talking ghost stories, haunted buildings, cursed lands, myths, legends and lore, the likes of which many have never heard before. Some of my guests are new most are returning visitors of the show and have agreed to share with us in some cases for the first time ever their personal experiences of unexplained and hair-raising stories from beyond the veil. Consider this your final warning. Those who choose to proceed may have their sanity challenged, question reality, or lose their mind with fear from these tales of the unknown and unexplained. And now, the Dead Hand Radio Halloween Special.
1: This is B.K. Bass, author of What Once Was Home, Parting the Veil, The Ravencrest Chronicles, and more. And you're listening to Dead Hand Radio.
0: This is your host, Andrew Hall. My guest for this episode, BK Bass, was not able to record an intro with me for this Halloween edition of Dead Hand Radio. Unfortunately, he's been dealing with some sort of malady for some time and just didn't feel up to having a conversation. So when I reached out to him about participating, he asked if he could submit a recording of something he had prepared some time ago, and I agreed. I agreed. The reading you are about to hear is a story about American treasure hunter Richard Jericho and British anthropologist Wilkins Chapman. The two have uncovered antiquities from around the world, but in the jungles of Peru, they discover something more than they expected. As the fabric of reality comes apart, they journey across the globe chasing clues. Answers lead to more questions as they attempt to piece together a puzzle Older than primal memory itself And the more they part the veil The more of what lies beyond the veil Spills into our reality Here's B.K. Bass Reading chapter 1 of his paranormal thriller Parting the Veil
1: Chapter 1 The Idol July 17, 1939 Somewhere in the Amazon Peru, South America Richard held the smoldering torch before a wall covered in carvings, where human figures twisted and contorted around a central image. Amid the press of bodies was a pedestal topped with an orb radiating faint lines, giving the impression it was emanating rays of light. Shadows surrounded the misshapen forms, and from those shadows peered countless inhuman eyes and writhed an assortment of serpentine tendrils. What are you looking for?" asked Wilkins. The slender Englishman stood well behind Richard as he raised an oil lantern and looked about the small chamber. They had been inside the ruins for almost an hour and discovered nothing of interest save for this dead end and its unsettling artwork. The American looked back over his shoulder and smiled. I don't know yet, but I'll tell you when I figure it out. Wilkins huffed, blowing out his long mustaches with a sudden puff of air. He had followed Richard on numerous treasure hunting adventures over the last few years. More often than not, they came away with a veritable bounty of artifacts and treasures. His own parlor was filled with curiosities found all over the globe. His partner had amassed an assortment of expensive automobiles and motorcycles, as suited his own interests. Richard was one of the world's premier archeological investigators, but to call him a student of history would have been a fallacy. No, while Wilkins may have followed the hot-headed American around the world in search of uncovering historical truths, Richard himself was in search of the next big sale to some overzealous art collector. This particular voyage, Wilkins said seems to bear a remarkable lack of fruits to reward our labors. I suggest we write this off as bad information and return to town. And leave behind whatever past this door? Richard asked. Wilkins blinked in surprise, the bushy whiskers under his nose twitching. He leaned in closer to the wall, holding his lantern to add to the illumination of the t- torch. Amid the writhing bodies, twisting tendrils, and uncountable eyes. There was no evidence to suggest that this was anything other than a wall. Richard moved one hand across the carving slowly, wiping centuries of dust out of the grooves between the carvings. He stopped and held the torch closer. There, among the numerous strange eyes carved into the relief was a small cavity where it seemed one of the oculars was missing. Bingo! Richard exclaimed. He fished through the pockets of his dirty leather coat and withdrew a small sphere of polished marble. He held it out for Wilkins to see. There was an iris carved in one side of the strange red orb, and on the other protruded a single iron rod from which formed a narrow hexagon. At the tip of the rod were three spikes extending perpendicular to the shaft. Richard held the sphere up to the hole aligning the rod inside the void and matching the iris to faint lines on the carving. He pressed the eye into the hole, and there was a soft click from the other side of the wall. By Jove! Wilkins swore under his breath as the entire tunnel began to rumble. The carved wall pivoted on a central axis. As the rumbling stopped, they both stood before an open passage where before there had only been an impassable obstacle. Well, Richard said with a wide grin, let's go claim our prize. With that, he strode through the opening. Wilkins followed, creeping through the newly opened portal with his lantern held out before him. As he passed the carving, he felt certain he was being watched. From the corner of his own vision, the eyes in the carving seemed to follow his movements. He stopped and stared at them. They were still and he dismissed the thought as a bit of fear playing tricks on his mind. Surely a three-thousand-year-old carving could not move of its own accord. As he turned to continue, however, he was sure he saw the eyes turning to watch him again. Richard, he called out, wait! A short sprint through the rough-cut stone corridor brought him to the side of his more adventurous companion. Peering over the taller man's shoulder, Wilkins saw that they stood at the mouth of the tunnel. Beyond was a wide chamber, just large enough for the far end to be lost beyond the flickering lights they held. In the center of the room, upon a raised dais, stood a pedestal. It was carved with all sorts of strange images, and the top set a single dusty statuette. Richard surged forward, ignoring his companion's cries for caution. Wilkins followed hesitantly as the American circled the central dais. The edges of the platform were lined with glyphs that he had never seen in his research or travels. Grooves caped with millennia of dust ran from the edges toward the central plinth supporting the prize Richard sought. The pedestal itself was covered in writhing shapes reminiscent of sacred snakes coiled around more staring eyes. Those same orbs seemed to hold less dust than the rest of the carvings. Remembering the strangely attentive doorway, Wilkins hesitated to approach the central edifice. His companion, on the other hand, seemed unshaken as he strode purposefully onto the dais. Reaching out with both hands, he grasped the object sitting atop the the small plane. As his hands touched it, Wilkins' head exploded with the sounds of screaming. He heard hundreds of voices, crying out in fear and pain in as many different languages, their cries blending together into an unearthly chorus of absolute terror. He could not tell from whence the cacophony came. It seemed as if it was within his own head. Was he screaming too? His mouth hung open and his throat was raw, but he could not hear his own voice. Looking to Richard, he saw his friend was also frozen with his maw agape in a silent shout. Either their own voices were being drowned out by the multitude of others, or they were both bound in silence by the explosion of chaos within their own minds. As soon as the tumult began, it was over. Wilkins was sprawled on his back in the darkness. Various aches shooting throughout his body told him that he had fallen. The lantern was no longer lit, and neither was Richard's torch. He heard a nearby groan. Richard was alive. Fumbling with hands numb from fear, Wilkins reached into his pocket and withdrew a box of matches. His shaking hands struggled with the slender shafts of wood. The world burst into sudden, painful light as he struck a match. Then the darkness encroached upon the small flame and it flickered in the moist air. Wilkins reached out, searching for his friend. There was a scrape of stone on stone, followed by several footsteps and Richard stumbled into view. His hands held the statuette from the plinth. Wilkins' jaw dropped as he laid eyes upon the piece. He sat up and adjusted his narrow wire frame glasses. I need light, he said hoarsely. Richard set the idol down in front of the archaeologist and shuffled into the darkness in search of the lost lantern. The sounds of fumbling and cursing echoed in the chamber, but Wilkins never took his eyes from the statue. It stood a foot tall and appeared to be a squat figure in a crouched position atop a circular base covered in writhing serpents and glaring eyes. The arched back of the figure was facing him, its surface riddled with strange shapes he could not make out in the meager light. He leaned in closer, then shouted in pain as the match burned down to his fingers. He dropped it, and with a sizzle they were once again blanketed in utter utter blackness. "'Damn it, Wilkins!' Jericho shouted, light another match, will you? Wilkins fumbled again with shaking hands and tried to light a match. After three failed attempts, he got one to take the flame. He looked about and saw the silhouette of Richard feeling around on the floor behind him. He turned back to the idol and gasped. He was sure its back had been turned to him, but now it faced directly at him. Subtly carved arms clenched to the sides of its head. More odd shapes covered the skin, but without proper illumination, he could not determine their nature. Richard, please hurry with the lantern. Keep your knickers on, Richard said. I found it. The athletic figure strode into the dim light of the match holding the shattered remains of an oil lantern. Fortunately, the reservoir was still intact. Wilkins carefully lit the oil soaked wick which blossomed into a bright flame. The archaeologist turned back to the statue, examining it more closely in the renewed illumination. He reached out trembling hands and picked up the object. It was mostly green with whorls of black. The pattern was reminiscent of marble, but he had never seen a stone in this color. The black swirls seemed to shift subtly as he stared at them. Wilkins blinked and shook his head as a sudden bout of nausea overtook him, then continued his examination. A broad figure crouched with hands held over the sides of its head. The mouth was open in a silent scream, eerily reminiscent to that which had frozen Wilkins and Richard in place not minutes before. The skin of the figure was broken all over with tiny eyes, and slender tendrils wormed across the limbs and torso. Ghastly. Wilkins murmured hopefully worth something Richard asked are you serious Wilkins asked after what we just experienced I say we leave the cursed thing here and forget we ever came to this place Richard gingerly took the statue from Wilkins hands and slid it into a leather satchel not a chance it cost too much to get out here to leave empty-handed please Wilkins said There is something strange about this artifact. Since when are you superstitious? Richard asked as he picked up the broken lantern and turned towards the tunnel. Wilkins stood and hurried to rejoin his companion. Since several minutes ago when that statue almost killed us. Eh. Richard dismissed with a wave of his free hand. Exhaustion, heat, dehydration. We've been trekking through the jungle for two days trying to find this place. I'm sure we're just relieved to find what we were looking for. And that scream? Wilkins asked. Richard continued through the open portal, covered in eyes and kneeling figures without a word. Wilkins kept close watch on the carvings as he passed. Richard, he asked again. Euphoria, he said. It didn't feel euphoric. Wilkins muttered as he picked his way over the crumbling flagstones. It will when we sell this, Richard said, throwing a grain over his shoulder.